Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It is Friday, everyone. We have made it. Hopefully you have some great weekend plans coming up. We have a great show for you today. We have Blue Check Beck coming up in the second segment. He returns after a week hiatus. Also, my heart-to-heart at the very end of the show, so you don't want to miss that. But before we get into talking about Stefan Tuit, that's the topic I want to discuss today. Stefan Tuit, we all know he's a wild card this offseason. I want to remind you that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. On top of that, wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. If you want a complete rundown of all of our podcasts, Go listen to the beginning of Dave Schofield's Stat Geek on Thursday. It was a good show. You'll enjoy it. But he went through literally every single podcast, what day it goes, what time it runs. I'm not going to reiterate it. Go listen to that. You'll, you won't, you'll thank me because it's a good show. But also, hey, why say it twice? He already said it. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts of things here. And that is the title of this podcast, Stefan to its Future. That future with the Steelers has to be the top priority this offseason. Now, I have talked about Stefan Tuitt a lot. Go all the way back to last offseason. And I mentioned how Tuitt was not the Robin. Everyone called Cam Hayward Batman, and they called Stefan Tuitt Robin. Now, that was not the case for me because Robin was a sidekick. Stefan Tuitt is not a sidekick. When he is healthy and he is available, he is dominant. And we're going to dive into the numbers later on a lot of the these two players and the narrative surrounding both of them. But before we get to all that, I still believe, and, and I almost I almost had this be the headline of the podcast today, was what is going to be the first domino to fall for the Steelers in the offseason? And when I say that, I'm not talking about coaching hires or general manager interviews or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about from a roster, from a player's perspective, What's going to be the first domino to fall? I don't know. I really don't. And that's why I kind of went away from it. But I, I do know that if I had to hand pick what domino should fall first, has to be Stefan to it. It has to be the Steelers finding out what does the future hold for Stefan to it. Second round draft pick. When the guy, like I said, is healthy, when he's available, he is flat-out dominant. I mean dominant. You can't tell me any otherwise. Yes, he's had some injuries. A lot of players had. Now, I want to read what General Manager Kevin Colbert had to say about Stefan Tuitt. This definitely made waves across the Steelers fan base. But here's what he had to say about Tuitt. In case you missed it, here's the quote. Quote, Stefan had, t- had a tough season last year. He was battling through a knee injury last year that he worked his way through and ended up with him on injured reserve. He had a personal situation that he had to deal with, and we've been in contact with Stefan and we're very open to continue to help him. And we will continue to evaluate that position and his availability to us. We just hope for the best for him as he tries to come back and be a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're open to him returning in 2022. We've talked to him and we'll continue 
to visit with him. End quote. Now, I don't know about you, that does not provide like a ton of hope and a ton of confidence in Stefan Tuitt returning. If you go back to Wednesday's podcast that I did, the, the, the Kevin Colbert translate, you know, when you talk about Stefan Tuitt, I, I said this Wednesday, I'll say it again. They don't know. They don't know what he's going to do. I'm wondering, are they having conversations? Is are they, Or is this like an Antonio Brown situation where people are trying to call him and he's not returning anyone's phone call? If you remember when Antonio Brown was on his way out in Pittsburgh, Kevin Colbert tried calling him. We know Mike Tomlin tried. Players, even Art Rooney II tried calling him. He didn't return any of them. Are we there it's with Stefan Tuitt? That we don't know. Probably never will know unless he retires or they cut him and he finds goes on somewhere else and eventually speaks about it. I'm not sure. But the reason why Stefan Tuitt has to be the number one domino is there could be a ridiculous ripple effect for this team this offseason. And this is something that I don't feel like is being talked about as much as it should. You can talk about the offensive line and team needs, and those are blatant. They're glaring. Guard, tackle, center, doesn't matter. They need them all. But when you talk about Stefan Tuitt, and when I say the ripple effect, anyone that's ever been around any body of water that is stagnant, all you got to do is take a pebble, take a rock, toss it up in the air. When it hits that water, you see those ripples that go all the way out to the edge. That is Tuitt. He is that rock. And the ripples that come off of that rock hitting that stagnant water have both uh, impact on the Steelers in free agency and the 2022 NFL draft. I mean, just think about this for a second, folks. If Stefan Tuitt says, I'm back, I dealt with the loss of my brother, I had that was definitely something that wrecked me, but I also had to deal with a knee injury, it's, it's healed, I feel better from a mental and emotional standpoint, I'm back. If he returns... Can anyone tell me that the Steelers' defensive front in 2022 needs to be a need to be addressed in the offseason? I just don't think it's a need. It might be a want. You might want to infuse some young talent on the defensive line, but think about it. You would have Cam Hayward. You would have Stephon Tuitt. Tyson Alualu is coming back. You have this now second-year player, Isaiah Loudermilk. You still have Chris Wormley under contract for one more year. Not to mention, you have both Davis brothers, and that's not even the entire depth chart. There really isn't. There's other players there that are capable, not to mention, let's say, Montrevious Adams if the Steelers decide to keep him. Sign him back within the team. I just don't think that's an that's an area that they need to address if Stefan Tuitt's coming back. But on the flip side of that, if Stefan Tuitt does not come back, now you're looking at a situation where you're thinking, do the Steelers need to go after a defensive lineman, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the draft. We've seen what can happen when you don't have to it, and then you have an injury. Last season, it was to Tyson Alualu. It could be to Cam Hayward. If you do that, you're just going to be decimated along the defensive front. Chris Wormley is great as a fourth defensive end. He's not great as a number two. I don't even know if he's great as a number three. So this is the situation. This is how crazy, this is such a large disparity between if he comes back and if he doesn't and what the team has to do. That's that ripple effect that I'm talking about. And so I started to think, you know, there's a narrative surrounding 
these players, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt. Everyone always says, when Tuitt's out, Cam Hayward plays better. And when Tuitt's in, Cam Hayward, it's not that he doesn't play well, but his statistics just don't match it. So I went back and I looked at 2019. That was the year Stephon Tuitt was lost. He only played six games. He got injured that year. And then last year, 2021, he didn't play at all. We know that. And so I looked up Cam's numbers. I looked up his numbers in 2019. Here's what Cam Hayward did. Cam Hayward in 2019 without Stephon Tuitt for 10 games, but I, I'm giving you a season stats here. He played in 16 games, 83 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, 9 sacks, 23 quarterback hits. He was an all-pro first team and a pro bowler. Now, let's look at 2021. Stephon Tuitt plays in zero games that year. In 2021, Cam played in 17 games, 89 total tackles, 15 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, second time in his career he hit double digits, 17 quarterback hits, all-pro first team, and Pro Bowl. And so I thought to myself, okay, now what about the years where Tuitt did play? So I went to 2020. 2020 was the year that Stephon Tuitt had a tremendous year. A tremendous year. Listen to Stephon Tuitt's 2020 before I go back to Cam. Stephon Tuitt in 2020 played in 15 games, 45 total tackles, 10 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, and 25 quarterback hits. Was not voted to All-Pro or either a Pro Bowl. But in 2020 for Cam Hayward, he had 15 total games, only 54 total tackles, 7 tackles for loss, only four sacks and 19 quarterback hits. He was an all-pro second team and did make the Pro Bowl. So we're talking about a pretty stark difference in tackles for loss, sacks, and even total tackles. I went back to 2019 for Stefan Tuitt. I was just curious. I had looked this up before, but I couldn't remember the numbers. In 2019 for Stefan Tuitt, he played in six games. That was it. In those six games, he was out-of-this-world dominant. Listen to the the numbers he was putting up in 2019. 22 tackles, 6 tackles for loss, 7 quarterback hits, and and 3.5 sacks in 6 games. That was an incredible start to the season before he was lost due to injury. So you want to talk about a narrative that when you look at the numbers is actually kind of playing itself out? It is the narrative that when Stefan Tuitt is in the lineup, Cam Hayward's numbers are just not the same. And I, I guess, in a way, I understand it. If I were to draw a comparison, it would be the very same that, let's say in hockey, the Pittsburgh Penguins, clearly if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am a Penguins fan. If Evgeny Malkin's hurt, Sidney Crosby almost always elevates his game. If Sidney Crosby's hurt, Evgeny Malkin tends to do the same thing. When they're both in the lineup, they both the, the team does well, but neither of them really shine. It's happened year in and year out. I feel like this is the same thing. When two it's not there, Cam Hayward feels, I need to go out and do it. I need to go out and make plays. I need to go out and be that guy for this defense. But when two it's there, you would think that him drawing attention away from Cam Hayward would free him up more would give him more one-on-ones, but in reality, 
The numbers just don't play it out. Now, I understand we're only talking about a very small sample size in 2019 and 2020, two years, I'm sorry, 2019 and 2021, two years where Tuit was lost for whatever reason last year, the knee, mental health uh, in 2019 when he was injured and only played in six games. Still, something to consider when you're talking about Stefan Tuit and him playing in 2022 or if he doesn't. All right, let's get to some random Steeler thoughts before we take a break and bring in Michael Beck, Blue Check Beck. All right, first and foremost, the random Steeler thoughts. I just keep on seeing some of these national media blowhards. We're talking about Colin Cowherd and morons like him. But also, there's a lot of the fan base that are jumping to some crazy conclusions when it comes to these comments and hanging on to every single word of what Kevin Colbert said. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that as an as an editor and as a writer for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, I'm going to use Kevin Colbert's quotes in several articles. Why? He talked to the media for almost an hour, and so the quotes that they're putting out there, sometimes it takes a while to dig through them. You can definitely connect dots with what he says and narratives and all that difference. So I'm not saying that. People are really jumping to the conclusion of Mason Rudolph being the guy. You've got Ryan Clark out there who's saying if Mason Rudolph is the starter, then that's not the Steelers that I love and the fan base. Dude, shut up. I mean, seriously, no one cares, A, what you think. I don't. Maybe some fans do, but I don't. And number two, if if people are going to hang on to every word, then they might as well listen to my podcast on Wednesday where it's, I mean, if you're talking about just Mason Rudolph, which he's getting drugged through the mud for no reason right now, if you're just talking about Mason Rudolph, understand what Kevin Colbert said, and it was not that he is going to be the starter, but as of right now, he is if the season started today, which it doesn't. Just can we not jump to crazy conclusions, please? Okay, the next random thought is I want the fans out there to know how to view mock drafts. So mock drafts are done by every outlet that you can imagine. We do them at Behind the Steel Curtain, all the major media outlets, the NFL.coms, ESPNs, Fox Sports, uh, CBS, you name it. They all do mock drafts. And everyone loves to see who the Steelers take. And it's natural to just scroll down to number 20 and say, okay, who do they have the Steelers taking? We all do that. I do that. But I think it's important that we as fans, if you're going to look at mock drafts, take a look at who they have taking ahead of the Steelers. Take a look if they have a trade. What team do they have jumping ahead of the Steelers? Learn about the draft, but not so much just the prospects. Learn about team needs of the of the teams that are drafting ahead of the Steelers, team needs of even teams behind the Steelers that might want to move up. If you really want to grasp this NFL draft concept, you can't just look at players. You have to also consider the situation the Steelers might find themselves in at pick number 20. If they want to move up, what can they do? You can learn some things from mock drafts. Some will just say it's nothing but weird random predictions, and they're not wrong. But in reality, you can learn something from mock drafts. Last random thought before we take a break. Draft crushes. Everyone asked me about draft. Who's the player that you really, really like? I'm going to go with what Dave Schofield always says, and I'm going to kind of warn all the fans out there. Beware of falling in love with any prospect. That's any position. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, any of the quarterbacks. 
whether it's Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa, don't fall in love with any, any of these players. Because once you do, the moment they get selected by someone else is when you're going to say, oh, there goes my guy. I kind of felt that way a little bit last season when I really loved Javante Williams, thought he played great. I thought he was a good fit for the Steelers coming out of North Carolina. And when the Steelers chose Najee Harris, I was so pumped. I was so happy. But a little part of me was also disappointed that they weren't going to be drafting Javante Williams. And when he went to Denver, an AFC team, I went, oh, there goes Javante Williams. So just beware of the draft crushes. That's all I'm going to say. But you're going to have players that you like and that you hope fall to the Steelers, but try not to fall too in love with these players because you just don't want to be so disappointed if they get drafted by someone else. All right, enough random thoughts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back after the break, Blue Check Beck will join me. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Steeler fans, welcome back to the second part of this Let's Ride podcast on this Friday. And you know what time it is. It's blue check back time. He took last week off, but he's back. Welcome back, Michael. How's it going? Oh, my pleasure to be back. You, you know, after the Super Bowl, I guess I just needed a, a little bit of time off to recover. But uh, I'm glad to be back, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Dave filled in for you last week. That's okay, though. It's, we're easing back into things. And, you know, you said you kind of got to get back into the swing of things. My question for you and this is something I spoke about on a Let's Ride podcast last week. Would you admit that the Steelers are in a rebuild mode? Because, you know, I always used to hear the saying on the comment section of Behind the Steel Curtain. I'd also hear it on Twitter. And that is the Steelers don't rebuild, they retool. Are you, I'm willing to admit this team is in rebuild mode. Would you agree? I would agree to a degree. I think this team is a few pieces away from having a really competent roster and then a big quarterback move away from being a true contender. Like for, for me, the ideal like offseason, the Steelers sure up some holes. They land a big name for each that, that transforms a team. Because uh, we've seen that happen throughout the league. Just like if they were to land that big time corner or, or something along those lines, fix up the offensive line nail a couple draft picks, you're sitting in a pretty good spot because the Steelers already have some some really nice pieces in T.J. Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick and the defensive line if they're all healthy, Najee Harris, Pat Farmuth, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, if they can figure it out. They have some nice pieces. So I, like, is it a rebuild to a degree? If they can have a really, like they can just nail this off, like figure out the rest of the team, make an aggressive move for a trade in for a quarterback either next year, like in the draft, not like the 2023 drafts, then we're talking about a contender. But uh, again, like this year, I wouldn't call it a write-off. I think it's a team that's got to refine its identity with Ben Roethlisberger gone. But uh, I think it is a rebuild, but I think it is something that could be done rather quickly if things are done right. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is what do you think the timeline, how many years do you think it would take for this team to be a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. I'm not just talking about playoffs or playoff appearances or even winning a playoff game. I'm talking about a team that leading into the season, fans can say this team has a chance 
to win it all, how long do you think that would take? Well, really, to me, it, like the answer to that is how long will it take to find your next franchise quarterback? Um, and like that, that's kind of what we've seen the last few years. Unless you have that guy, you're, you're not winning titles. That's just the fact of the matter of the NFL right now. It, there's just so much in that quarterback position that you've you got to have a solid one to even have a hope. Um, the Steelers could develop a great roster. Like the perfect, the perfect scenario is they, they sure up the roster this year, trade heaven and earth to land that top 10 quarterback in next year's draft, have that player hit and be a solid player and then have five years of that guy under the rookie contract and five legitimate shots at a, a Super Bowl. That That's the perfect situation. But, Finding that quarterback is easier said than done. How many teams have been looking for like pretty much their entire existence, like the Cleveland Browns, to have that guy? It, it just finding a quarterback is not easy. That's that's really what it comes down to. Could it be two years? Yeah, absolutely. Could it be twenty? Yeah. Like it, it's just the unfortunate fact of the matter. Unless the NFL changes somewhat to be a more defensive friendly league or a more run friendly team uh, league. Uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing anything changing until you can find that all-important quarterback position. Yeah, I agree. I had said two to three years if they play their cards right, use their money wisely. The one thing, though, I wanted to bring up with you because you've written articles, you've talked about it on your live mic podcast, which you can hear every Tuesday morning. Make sure you check it out. And you've talked about bringing in some free agents, and I've agreed with a lot of them, but there's some that I just don't understand like your line of thinking. So I wanted to ask you about sure. this. And that is, you're talking about bringing guys that are north of 30. And you say, you know, I know they're a little bit older. To me, why I'm not wasting my money and I'm not wasting my time on a player that's not going to be a part of this thing when I feel they're going to be a true championship contender. It's the same with Joe Hayden. If Joe Hayden, it, and we, let's be honest, he did not play at the level we are accustomed to seeing him play. And he was injured last season. I'll give him that. But even Joe Hayden, if he only wants to sign a one or two year deal, like what's the use? Like, let's go get a younger guy who they might be able to develop, maybe like a Steven Nelson. And you actually have a player who might even earn himself another contract. But I want to give you a chance to kind of maybe explain yourself, not justify, but explain yourself into why you would look at free agents that are north of 30, unless they're like an Andrew Whitworth who's going to be playing till he's 40. It did, yeah. I guess my question is the first is, does my line of thinking make sense? And if it doesn't, explain yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely your line of thinking makes sense. For me, where this comes from is more specifically on offense um, and a little bit on the defensive line, but I'll touch on that in a moment. Offensively, this team is so young and they really don't have like that vocal leader. Like Najee Harris is soft-spoken. Pat Fryermuth doesn't talk much. Uh, same with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and all these guys. There really isn't that leader in that room. Uh, with Ben Roethlisberger gone, like I, I think they need someone that can step in and command the attention of the group. I think that's something that's very important for this team. W whether or not that guy's 30 years old or just someone that is a legitimate voice in the locker room, I think is a huge need this this offseason. And a rookie, just, just because the nature of being a rookie cannot be that guy. Like Guys will roll their eyes when a rookie tries to give a rah-rah speech. But someone who's a, a former All-Pro uh, that's been in the NFL for close to 10 years. Yeah, guys respect that. That is huge. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think offensively, I think they need like one guy like that that can command the team and until they can develop perhaps a quarterback just because of the nature of the position, uh, just being a, a position of leadership uh, until a quarterback is a couple of years under their belt. 
and then that guy can kind of take over that uh, that that role on offense. And like, think about Ben Roethlisberger. He, he wasn't the captain of the offense for for years, and until uh, he was ready. Like, yeah, Jerome Bettis and Alan Fanica and Heinz Ward, like all these guys that were experienced over him. Like right now, Mason Rudolph's the oldest uh, guy that is a projected starter that's on roster right now, and he's twenty six. The guys b- b- below him are 25. Like, they're so young on offense that I still think they need that vocal aspect in the room. On defense. I, yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, defensively, I just point at the defensive line because of the the age range that they all currently are. If two it is gone, I, I'm more willing to sign someone older because you just know that your team in general has to add younger bodies to that line to be able to transition to take over. So defensively, it's not quite the same, but offensively, I think you need that uh, voice in the room. I could get behind that. I really could. And I understand where you're going from. And that was actually a question I was going to ask you is who do you see being the leader? And you kind of answered that. And that is, you think it's going to be someone outside the organization that's going to get brought in. I think the Steelers, hopefully, hopefully learn their lesson after last season in regards to having that ridiculously young offensive line, inexperienced yeah. Trey Turner was there, but I mean, Trey Turner, yeah, I don't know. He just didn't have what you're trying to describe in terms of leadership. Yeah. Let me he ask, wasn't go, very ahead, good. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying he also wasn't very good. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Then that's a problem. If someone's giving a raw, raw speech, you got better back it up on the field. But I, I want to ask you a, a gut instinct. You, you're, you're a lot like me. Sometimes your gut tells you one thing or the other. Does your gut tell you that the Steelers are going to draft a quarterback this year? It doesn't uh, to me. I feel like they could draft a quarterback very late in the draft. Um, I, I could see them signing a very cheap free agent option, but I, I think the way this plays out, I think this is Rudolph and Haskins and really Haskins competing with some other veteran they bring in and some late to undrafted free agent that kind of competes as the four spot for a training camp or perhaps Josh Dobbs gets another uh, minimum deal. But I, I have a feeling this just isn't like, this just isn't the year to add the quarterback, like stay cheap at the position develop the roster, use your first round pick a year from now, like trade up if, if need be to land a quarterback in a better quarterback draft, not wasting the picks, not wasting dollars. To me, my gut does not say quarterback this year at all, unless someone like a Malik Willis fell to the second round or same with the Kenny Pickett. Like I just can't see any of these quarterbacks being first round ready. And like anyone that's going to be better than Rudolph in year one, I, I just don't see it. Okay, so let's. I want to ask you a question about this quarterback group. I, Willis is going in the first round. So is Pickett. Uh, that's just we we know this. Yeah. Now you get into that second tier. You're talking about Hal. You're talking about Coral. Even talking about Strong is getting his name thrown around in there as well. Are there any players in the second tier? Let's say they're on day two. If the, Ritter is another one, I want to throw yeah. him in that tier as well. If day two of the draft, that's rounds two or three, if one of those guys is available, is there one that you like more than the others and say, you know what, it's third round pick or second round pick? Like, I'd be okay if they took him there. Is there any of those quarterbacks that intrigue you at all? The, the one name that's been intriguing to me in this year's draft class going back to last season was Desmond Ritter. The big yeah. factor here, he is a culture changer. The Cincinnati Bearcats weren't like they've had they've had some moments of glory um and like really for them what changed is him coming in changing the culture and playing so damn good in an afc north environment in the in the elements to me that's huge uh he's a big body he's athletic 
Uh, he's someone to me that I, I thought would have had a little bit more hype. Um, sure, like they had some help because of their defensive backs being so good, but they're still the number four ranked team for a team that is not on the level. That like historically, they're not on Alabama's level. They're not on any like SEC or Big Twelve. Like they're they're just not on that level. But Ritter got them there. That says something to me. Like you, you've seen like Jamarcus Russell types come out of the power schools with five NFL receivers. Like Desmond Ritter's not doing it with NFL caliber receivers. He was good. He changed the, the team there in Cincinnati. He is the reason why they got to the spot they were at the end of the year. A guy like that is interesting to me rather than a team that is just naturally built to be a top 25 team. Cincinnati is a lower bowl team that played for the national title, well, the national title playoffs at the very least. I, I point to Ritter and be like, this kid has some potential. Um, so that's probably the one name that I'm interested in. He's a little bit bigger. He's got that, like the frame, the AFC North frame. I, I think he just makes more sense. But uh, I, again, I, I just don't see the Steelers taking a quarterback. No, yeah, and, and I, I could see that too. Carson Strong's another quarterback that I wrote the uh, I started my my breakdowns for the behind the steel curtain website. I did Kenny Pickett, uh, which ran on Thursday. I've got Carson Strong coming up on Friday, and then I'm going to do Ritter. And I, I was looking at Carson Strong, and he's a guy that you, the knee issues are a concern. Mobility, he's not mobile at all, uh, but he's got the arm talent. And I'm thinking this guy, the, there's not a lot of people that are high on this kid. If he's around in the third round or something like that, I think Ritter's a second round pick. Would you agree? I I would think so. The, I think the combine will shift some guys uh, pretty 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 big, honestly. But right now, I think he's a second round guy. As strong as a guy that if there's some people that are unsure about his medicals, he might be available in the third. I'm like, well, shoot, third round pick. Like you could. That's what you got for Mason Rudolph. And so if you only have Mason Rudolph for one more year. If Carson, if, if Carson Strong, someone like that is not your answer, maybe he's your next backup. Like that's an option as well. He's an intriguing character too. The combine's going to be huge. But let me ask you about the combine quickly. How much stock do you put into some of these these tests that you see? Are there certain tests with certain positions that you put more stock in than others, or do you kind of just say, "I'd rather watch the film. The film doesn't lie." To me, uh, as someone who's like gone through kind of a combine process before. It's, it's, it's a checkbox. Like, it, it shouldn't move guys in the draft like it does, uh, especially in mock drafts. To me, it's just like, all right, th- this guy's dil- diligent in the weight room. He can do more than 20 reps on a bench. Like, like that, that's great. Uh, okay, this, this guy has, like, the combine can only drop guys, in my opinion. It really shouldn't shoot guys up a draft board. Uh, unless, I, I don't know, a 350-pound defensive tackle ran 4-3. Uh, that would just blow my absolute mind. But aside from something absolutely ridiculous happening, um, to me, it, it could only lower someone's stock as being perhaps less athletic, less explosive, uh, not diligent in the weight room. That's kind of what shows in combine testing. I don't take a whole lot of stock out of that. Are there the athletic freaks that just kind of confirms that like, all right, this guy is a freak. Like, sure, you saw that with Jadavian Clowney when he was coming out and Miles Garrett, like the, the guys that just test off the paper, like they're good on the field regardless. So to me, it's just a box that needs to be checked that they actually put the work in off the field. I believe TJ Watt was one of those combine freaks as well. Um, just his, his measurables were just pretty amazing for him. Now everyone said that he's kind of undersized. He needs to put on muscle. He clearly did that, but yeah, I think he was another one of those guys that 
when you look at his spark score, they always show that share those charts and it shows all the different tests and you want to see a big circle. That's the best athlete. And his was pretty darn big. We'll put it that way. Um, so when you think about this upcoming off season, free agency, the Steelers own free agents. I kind of talked about this in the first segment. What do you think in terms of players, not coaches, not general managers, what's going to be the first domino to fall with the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's a player leaving, whether it's a player returning, whether it's bringing in another position or a specific player, what do you think is that first domino that's going to get things started when the new league year starts? Okay. So when the, obviously cuts will come first and probably some signings, but on, on March or not March, you're like, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the date when the, it is March March. 14th, March March 14th is the illegal tampering period starts the March 15th, 16th is the start of the new league year. Okay. When the league year starts because of how much money the Steelers have and how much I've kind of figured they'll, they'll create. I, I think the Steelers could be players like the biggest dominoes. You already know where they signed during that legal tampering period. Like you pretty much know where the big names are already going to go before the, before it all shakes down. Really? I, I have the, a strange feeling. The Steelers are going to get one of those big, like, I don't think they're going to be like the Cleveland Browns where they try to sign like five of the top 10 free agents, but I just have this funny feeling they're going to go after one. I, I feel like it, it's, it might be one of the corners like JC Jackson, but I just have a feeling they go after one that kind of changes the team a bit. So I, I could totally see that happening. Um, as far as their own free agents are concerned, I feel like still Smith Schuster is someone that's going to wait a little bit for his deal to get done. Um, and there really just isn't like that, the quality free agents leaving the team this year that, uh, like, I really feel like are going to command, um, teams needing to rush into signing them. So I feel like th- that could be a little bit of hesitation. So for once, I think the Steelers could be the team making the big move before they lose a player themselves. Do you think the addition, because I haven't, I haven't talked to you since this was made official, when Brian Flores comes to Pittsburgh, do you think his addition to the coaching staff will in any way impact a free agent's thought process in terms of where could I go? I have the decision between this team and this team. They're essentially paying me the same amount of money. Do you think Flores being with Austin and Tomlin could lure players to Pittsburgh? Absolutely, I do. I, especially, I think, in like... Uh, the minority settings, uh, like the Afri- African-American players that have kind of stood up and, and said like, hey, good for Flores for actually like falling on his sword here. Because it kind of feels like what was going on with him in Miami. So I, I think players will respect that. And to me, I think the, the one really interesting name is Dante Hightower. The Steelers were interested in in 2017. If they're still interested in him, they cut Joe Schobert. They need another linebacker. They put a competitive offer on the table. Like they have their coach. He was interested before. I could I could easily see that happening more so now because of Flores being in play. So I I, I definitely think there's names. Anyone that was a, a, a Dolphin under Flores or a Patriot under him, I think becomes more likely to become Pittsburgh Steelers. And I generally believe because of that signing uh, in the coaching staff, it's going to change some things. So I, I 100% do. I, I think this is going to make uh, free agency a little bit more interesting because Flores is in the mix. You are an offensive line guy, and I wanted to ask you about the offensive line hire in Pat Meyer. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people bash the heck out of that move. And I'm not going to say whether it was good or bad because I don't know enough. You do. What was your thought? It was a little bit deflating from the perspective that like, yeah, we're hiring coaches off a a bad team that were fired because the team was bad. 
So in that sense, it is deflating. But what does make sense is the Steelers' offensive coaching staff are all guys that are kind of tailor-made for Matt Canada's system, coaching that system. Like, the Steelers are all in on this scheme. And these coaches are going to be able to help develop guys in that scheme. So in that sense, like, it's fine. Like, to me, I would have loved them spending uh, big on a Munchak or a Doug Marone. So, like, like an offensive equivalent of adding a Brian Flores. Like, that's kind of what I was hoping for, for the offensive line. Like, of course, it doesn't come to fruition, but it doesn't mean that uh, Meyer isn't going to be able to help these guys out. He has experience. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, it's going to take some time before we really know what happens here, especially because we know the Steelers have to be players uh, in terms of making their offensive line better in both the draft and free agency. Good stuff. Great stuff, Michael, as always. I want to give you a chance, say a little parting words to the ride or die crew. Go ahead. What do you have to say? Yeah, no, like, as always, this is going to be a very interesting uh, offseason. I think as the days go by here, you're going to hear more rumors about cuts. uh, Perhaps if the Steelers really wanted to be players in the trade market, like all these things are going to stop, start popping up. And really with the Steelers having as much money as they do this year and the avenues to create more, they're going to be players in free agency because they have to be. So like, this is an exciting time. If you're someone like me that loves the player management side of things, so, as always, you, you want to be locked to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all the breakdown on these things. I, I know both myself, uh, our, uh, our video breakdown guys, everyone, Dave, Jeff, you name it. They're, everyone's going to be on it when it comes to these acquisitions. So, I'm really excited to be a part of the site, especially for this offseason. That's going to be one that's like no other for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I'm excited that the Ride or Die crew can be along the ride for that. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. And Michael, I'm glad you're a part of it with us here on the every Friday. I will see you next Friday. Hopefully. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jeff. All right. See ya. And a big thank you to Michael Beck for joining me. He took a week off. I hope he enjoyed that week off. He's back and good to always talk about football with our buddy from up in the great white North. I want to finish the show as I always do every Friday with a heart to heart. So, I want to, this is not really Steeler specific, but it can be. The other day I was talking with some of my students, as most of you know, I'm a a teacher, and they were talking about something and a student said, made a statement. And they said, well, I really didn't mean that. And I stopped them and said, words matter. And it kind of brought up the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole saying of the pen is mightier than the sword because words do matter. Words have meaning, and different words put in different places can intensify that meaning. What I want to say is that this offseason, when we're talking about the Steelers, whether it's at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com or on Twitter or Facebook, any other social media platform, it is going to be really important that you understand that opinions are just that, opinions. You're entitled to yours, I'm entitled entitled to mine, Dave, Brian, Tony, all the other Michael, all these other people, they're all entitled to their own opinions. But just remember that words matter. And whether you're saying it behind a keyboard, behind a cell phone, let's try to remember that the words that we put out there do have meaning, they do have power, and let's choose that power and use it wisely, and let's, as they always say, use it for good. So words do have meaning, There is power in words. When I write something, I always go back and proofread it and say, what are the words saying? I know what I want to say, but am I saying it in a way that is correct? And am I saying it in a way that really does encapsulate my thoughts? 
It's not always easy. Sometimes it's emo- being emotional is knee-jerk. Being emotional is simple. Being emotional is, to me, the easy way out. That's not what I want to do, not on this podcast, not as a writer, and not as someone that's leading BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. That's all. I'll get off my soapbox. So that does it for me, folks. That's it for me on Friday. I'm taking the weekend off. I will be back on Monday. We'll be talking about all things Steelers, any news that happens over the weekend. I'm sure the Steelers will make some crazy hire in the middle of my daughter's last basketball game of the season like they did last week in hiring Brian Flores. But if they do, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, so that you don't miss a thing. All right, folks, that does it for me. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday as we always finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers.